Uh, welcome to episode two of the View from the Fence Post podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Turlington, a financial advisor with C2 Wealth Strategies here in Mobile. As I've mentioned before, uh, just because I'm a financial advisor, this is not a financial podcast. Today's guest is uh, Daniel Joy, owner of Mindfulware and a software architect. He's seen it all. Right. Welcome, Daniel, to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. So, so Daniel, let's just jump right in. I want to, I want to hear your story. I want to hear about Daniel. Tell us about yourself. First, what do you do? What do I do? Well, I use the term software architect because it comes to a point when you work with so many languages and databases and systems, it's more about assembling them correctly than building one in particular. The days of writing a program all by itself from scratch are kind of dead. Now we're assembling. So software architect, you want it to be someone who's unbiased and will look at all the products that you're using without a chance of making money for you to change. So like in a financial advisor, you're paid to make good advice for clients without any financial uh, win on your side. I'm a software architect, software consultant, who comes in and listens to what they're doing and make decisions and help make decisions and fee only get paid my fee. So uh, what choices that they make is up to them. But we've been doing it for a long time and I think I've seen 99 ways of doing it wrong. So I like to come in sometimes and, and kind of point some things out to folks uh, you know, like uh, what they could try differently uh, instead of let's buy another piece of software to answer the question. I find we keep buying more software. So sometimes the software architect says, did we get rid of the one that we just replaced? Because if not, they just build on themselves and become unusable. That makes sense. And um, how long have we known each other now? Hmm. A few years. A few you years. and I. You and I, and a few years. With Wes goes with, back goes, farther. With Wes goes a lot farther. We were introduced, I was introduced uh, to Daniel through um, a mutual relationship that we have with a local insurance BGA. And, uh, you know, Daniel's worked with huge companies, small companies, everything in between. He has a really great uh, in-depth perspective of where technology has been, maybe where it's going. Um, but before we kind of dive into some of these uh, questions we have for you, Daniel, I want our listener to know more about you personally. Tell us something interesting about you. Maybe someone else may not know. Well, I have to say I have four kids. I got to start with that. You okay. know, from, from 25 to 30, I have four, but there's still kids. I have four kids. Um, we homeschool. So um, not only did we homeschool all of our four kids, my wife runs outlookacademy.com where we help folks in Alabama homeschool their kids. Make okay. them and give them resources that they need. Uh, one of those things is you homeschooling introduces you to so, so unique individuals. I'm also a, a student of Taoist Tai Chi, so I've been a member of uh, I'm a member of randomtaichi.org. Uh, we meet every Saturday and have been for for quite a while. But um, some people do yoga, some people do other things. Tai Chi is my answer. It's my 15 minutes every morning. So you exercise for fun. I exercise for fun. Tai Chi is, is exercise for fun. <laughs> and you can get your heart rate up even though you're moving five miles an hour. I promise. You mentioned four kids. Four kids. Married? I have two married ones. One's third. Two older daughters are married. My son's 25. He just became an electrician with Dixie Electric here in Alabama. My daughter is 22, had uh, brain surgery. She'll be living with us for a while. Uh, she had seizures on the right side of her brain, had a complete hemispherectomy had the right side of her brain removed, but you'd be amazed in God's work. 
if you want to believe that God's a wonderful engineer, see someone who's been through a traumatic brain injury and watch them as they heal. When the doctors tell you it won't happen. Mm-hmm. When, when we wheeled our child out of Children's Hospital in Birmingham, I had every doctor tell me she'd never walk again because the whole left side of her body was gone. But we didn't believe, we just prayed. And now my child walks with just a small brace on her ankle and she paints beautiful paintings that a right brain child should not be able to do. And so you just got to believe. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you for sharing that. I've heard that story in the past. It's a heartwarming story. It's awesome. Um, And we may actually get a chance to talk a little bit more about that. If not here today, then definitely in some other piece of content that we'll push out in the future. (laughs) But awesome story. And um, some of the components of that story very well have to do with inspiration in your work. You have to, you have to, uh, I'm so thankful. It's funny. We all work from home now because of COVID, but as a software architect where I oversee other developers, the best developers don't live in Montgomery, Alabama. The best developers don't live in Alabama. Um, I, so I have folks on my team who live in Boston, who live in Nevada. Uh, we've always been working remotely. So this is kind of nothing really new to me. But it has meant I could be there for my daughter when she really needed me the most. And that was there's nothing to be sad. Sort of the theme for this podcast is looking looking backwards at how we got from where we were to where we are now, specifically through the lens of thankfulness and humility and and just looking at what, you know, are the the people who helped you get there or maybe the event that helped you overcome. Tell us the story first of how you became a business owner. Now, we talked about this a little bit at lunch yeah. earlier yeah. today. And what I know about you, Daniel, is that you did not want to be a business owner. I did not owner. want to be a business owner. Let's back up a little bit further because I'm I'm probably one of the handful of computer people you can speak to who can say this. I have both killed people with software and I have made people better with software. Okay. On June on June the second, nineteen eighty six, I picked up my first keyboard to a Motorola Mini mm-hmm. for the Air Force. So I was trained. I first was Air Force enlisted. I loved it. I stayed in. I became an Air Force officer. So I'm an Air Force computer science officer. Mm-hmm. And during the opening, I worked on directly under the General Schwarzkopf during the opening moves of that there. So. I don't know where y'all were that February, but I was actually. What was the year? Uh, nine, oh, 88, I believe. I was three. You were three. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> some of us were over there with uh, Schwarzkopf. And um, it, when I got back from that, I had orders three. It's, they're called TDY assignments. It means you're going to spend 89 days or less, which means you can't take your family with you. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go to Masawa, Japan and Ramstein and more of this make software that loads bombs onto planes to drop on people. And I got home and it was my day to go weigh in. So I went into weigh in and I was a pound over as a Lieutenant being a pound over is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Nine days later, I was a civilian working for software shop right there in Montgomery. So Gunner air force base is the headquarters of all air force software. That was my last base. And so when I decided to leave, I went straight to work in the civilian market, working in pharmaceutical software, where I wrote software that made people healthy, ion salt balancing for neonatal babies. I was writing software uh, the crack babies. When they're born, mm-hmm. they only weigh 800 grams. Their skin is translucent. Right. What do you feed a baby like that? Well, 
Loma Linda, California was experimenting with how can we make these babies live? So I spent a week with chemists writing software to help them mix that mixture before, so they can inject that baby as fast as possible. Best feeling in the world to do stuff like that versus the other. Uh, but uh, in 93 uh, or earlier 93, uh, I ran into somebody. You, you asked me what changed my life. I got this phone call one day from a local computer shop. Hey, Daniel, we've got this insurance guy who wants a custom piece of software built. Mm -hmm. Now, the year is 1992. And I, so I went there and asked him, and they said they sold this stuff called long-term care insurance. Heard of it? Yeah, you heard of it? Yeah. And they explained to me how complicated it was to calculate a rate back then. Mm -hmm. The agents literally had three different books they would take in, and with the client watching, do that. So... Jack Crawford, he taught me everything there is to know about long-term care insurance. He led over 10,000 troops in his FMO. I miss him greatly. He passed away from uh, pancreatic cancer in 2013. But I started bringing him these. So this is, this is from 1994 to show how long I've been. Now, how old were you in 1994? Almost nine. Okay, nine. I got yeah. nine. Okay, well, I was selling these for 98 cents a piece. And Mr. Crawford's group would buy them in cases of 200. And I was an insurance software guy. And I thought that was the end. I thought that was the end. And then one day, after a few years into this, Mr. Crawford gives me a call and says, hey, uh, Daniel, do you, do you own a jacket and a tie? And I said, yes, sir, I do, Mr. Crawford. He goes, well, be here on Wednesday, but don't say nothing. There's a meeting going on, but don't say nothing. Okay. So I got to the meeting. And in walks in Brad Wolfram and Billy Hill. Pre Billy Hill was in president of Great American Insurance Division in Austin, and Brad Wolfram was vice president. And they had seen my work, and they wanted to know how could they get the same for all of Great America. So that day, Mr. Crawford negotiated my contract with Great American and helped me where a process where, as a young businessman, I think I would have failed, getting that contract right. Mm -hmm. And I went from Great American, and then, as some people know, about eight years later, Cigna bought the Great American division, and so I worked and did all of Cigna's uh, U.S. and uh, parts of Europe software. But they brought all that back internal now, and now we're back to working with the. I enjoy working so much with the holistic financial advisors. It's a whole other world. But I've been insurance for a long time. <laughs> so. Again, you did not want to become a business owner. How no, did that happen? no, no. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I can I love doing my pharmaceutical software um, where all I had to do was come to work and just and fix problems. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to go find hospitals to buy our software. I didn't have to give them to pay the monthly bill. Didn't have to negotiate the legal stuff. It was just fun. All the responsibility. All the responsibility yeah. gone. Sure. But then all of a sudden, Great American comes, and there's this money on the table. And I, in my, in my, in my, the, the gentleman at the company passed away. So my mentor, so I felt I could make the break. There was so much I didn't know. There was no Google to call how to run a business. I imagine. There was. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's, I fell into it, but I will tell you, people used to pay a lot of money for innovative software. Whereas now I hear, I, you know, I hear programmers making um, a little bit above minimum wage and I'm stunned. And I think it's because we've separated software architect from software developer. 
Once the software architect draws the picture, the software developer is just building it with tools that he's been given. Mm. So I just try to make sure they stick with that. But the other thing I learned, real important was, no matter what I build for these agents, there better not be any proprietary software. You know, every time Windows would get an upgrade, our software had to keep changing. So that was a constant problem we dealt with, was dealing with, it had to work for all the agents. The one who ran Windows 98, the one who had to do Windows whatever, or maybe somebody on their phone. So we're proud that our work works on different platforms. Speaking of working on different platforms, I kind of know this answer a little bit, but the listener may not. Okay. What would you, what would you say up until now your success is that you could attribute that to? What would you base that success on it? I'll tell you, um, Mr. Crawford, one time I brought him an idea in for one of the discs and he says, Daniel, let me tell you something. There's only two things you need to be concerned about. Either make it easier for the agent to do business with the carrier or get him his check faster. That's all he cares about. So what do I do with software is try to make it easy to use. That's the key. Everybody should be able to use the software without a manual. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, that absolutely. It does. It does. Um, what would you say that you've learned after all these years in business, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, Ooh. what would that be? Many, many, back in time. many years ago, I was flying to North Dakota to go see one of these hospitals. And I was reading this book called the E-Myth. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't remember anything from it other than it said, you know, some, either you cook the pies or you count the pies or you sell the pies, but you can't do all three. And it hit me on that plane. All I can do is cook pies. Okay. I should have keep remembering that later. I should have, when I started a business, I should have gotten others to partner with to count the pies, to sell the pies. Okay, no I see one, what you're saying. Yeah. The higher the dollar amount for the software, the less good it was for the programmer to show up himself to sell it. Yeah. We're like this mysterious technology thing. And when they find out, here's the worst part. When they find out I have a team of three building something that they use a team of 30 to build, how can you do that? How can it be any good? Well, we're three experienced veterans versus folks who've taken classes off of Coursera. Nothing more upsetting today than young men and women calling themselves software architects, software designers, software builders, but yet they've not actually taken any academic level classes in it. They can still do it because the user doesn't know the difference. But I can. Being in business for yourself, what would you say is the biggest pain in your tail? Constantly having to feed the funnel. Okay. You know, uh, I have been blessed, blessed, blessed with clients who keep coming back for more work. So I put my investment in my clients. What can I do for you next? I'm not looking for new clients every day. I'm asking my current clients, what can I do for you? Because the world's you know, who thought COVID was coming? But that move to True. remote kept us busy with changing software to fit. All of a sudden, have, having the ability to calculate a rate on your with using text messaging became critical because we were away from the office so much more. At this point in your journey, are you satisfied with the, where you're at currently? Are you, are you looking to make changes in, in your business? Do you want to go beyond you. where you are today? 
here, here's where I want to be in 10 years. Um, and please take this the right way. I'll try. I wish you say it the right way. I wish from <laughs> our clients to all be those who need our technology in a nonprofit way. Uh, for example, we're so blessed to get to work with UA uh, the union. Okay. To me, a union, a union is a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. and they're there just to service their members. They can't make profit off my software. All they can do is maybe put more deposits into the retirees plan, which they do. Um, we like servicing financial advisors because y'all don't, y'all, y'all are ethical and straight up and down. Whereas it got a while where there was a problem with other clients where I felt like I was helping them do wrong. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down yeah. I think, a little bit right now. Okay. So you're, you're hoping that what the future versions of mindfulware look like is you're building technology that, that just makes people's lives easier and proves the quality of life, standard right. of life, all that good stuff. And doesn't take advantage of them like other software does. I understand. And like an example of that feels like almost like an invasion of privacy sometimes yes. when you're scoping out a website and it recommends something oh, yes. you were talking about last week with a friend of yours. It, and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. How did this I, know I, about I will challenge I, 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 I will challenge our <laughs> listeners. Go to Facebook and find Daniel Joy, J-O-Y-E. You will not. I don't have a Facebook account. If you really want to feel bizarre, raise your hand and say, I don't have a Facebook account. But if you knew what they were doing with the data that's inside of there, it makes us angry. But then we say, we must be on there so we can communicate with other people. We're willing to give up. I have like three accounts on there. Anyone willing to give up freedom mm -hmm. for security deserves neither. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. So you have seen, and I'm not calling you old. Yeah. But you have seen untangling the, the, the phone cord, you know, frustrating. You've seen where technology has been and kind of yeah. the journey through. Where do you? What do you think will change over the next few years that maybe we wouldn't wouldn't know about? You know, um, I, like I said earlier, what we think will happen in two years is never enough time. It never happens that fast. There won't be flying cars in two years. But what will happen in 10 years? So I saw a flying car video oh, yeah? last week. So what I would say that's uh, coming uh, is um, our body produces electricity. Mm -hmm. um, pacemakers, you know, dead batteries stuff. But there's your body produces electricity as long as you're alive. Mm -hmm. There's positions behind your ears that are empty, and there's a position between the back of your in your back that's empty. In the future, you're going to have a device implanted right here. You're kidding. That will be connected to your, your middle ear bone, so you can hear. You've heard these things now that you can put against your ear and hear, but there's no mm -hmm. sound. Right. It'll be implanted in your head. Cool. You will have the internet with you everywhere you go because you have enough power in your body. Are you messing with me? To process, to actually light up an antenna. Are you messing with me? No. <laughs> what else? Well, I hope I will not see this. I hope that I'll finally see some pushback. How much more are we willing to give up of our personal lives for this convenience of email or the convenience of whatever we're getting from it? You say we, you go to Amazon. If you want to see the most evil of use of psychology, go to amazon.com. All their developers graduated from Stanford and fell under Dr. BJ Fogg, 
Look at fog behavioral models. He's using psychiatry to keep you on that screen. One click buy, that's his invention. Because it's so simple. It's one click. You pick one thing out and two other things get picked up with it. Others like you have also chosen these other two lightly slice, uh, less expensive devices. You'll click it to be more like them. It's our desire to be included. Well, if someone else did it, maybe we should do it. Mm-hmm. Everything on Amazon.com is, guaranteed, is built and designed and engineered for you to buy it more. And that was done from students from Stanford who have followed all the rules that were laid out. It can be used for good. I can, use, I can have a website to entice you to be good. Uh, read Tiny Habits by Dr. Fogg. Ty, he, he took his tools that he came up with how to motivate people. And his actual PhD is in, is in um, uh, uh, brains. He said Tiny Habits? Tiny Habits. Okay. You go to tinyhabits.com. Dr. Fogg and his sister uh, put out a book using his methods to change your habits. Mm-hmm. Rule number one. If you have a new habit you want to do, a tie it to a, 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 an emotion or a physical place, not a time. For example, I will say my morning prayers when my feet hit the ground in the morning. I do my Tai Chi after I get up and say my morning prayers. You don't tie it to a time. So he shows how to use the same tools that are used to manipulate you for evil, how you can use them to build yourself better. That makes sense. Tinyhabits.com. Is there anything that we haven't covered? Any cool stories or gems you want to share with the listeners before we kind of wrap it up here? Anything on your heart, Daniel? I want to make sure that everybody knows that what your grandma says is true. Nothing's free. When you go to a website, they're collecting information. And you're clicking OK on that button within 400 milliseconds of it asking you if it's OK. That's the average delay time between showing of, uh, do I accept these rules, to you clicking it, is 400 milliseconds. That's plenty of time to read it all. Yeah. Yeah. I would reread the most recent iPhone release note on what they're taking. I'm just asking folks to be a little more careful. We're, we're, so, we're so willing to take on this new thing it will do. We need to ask, what's it taking back? Because we didn't pay for it. There's two animals on the farm dedicated to breakfast, chicken and pig. One makes a larger sacrifice. Be the chicken. Be the chicken. Okay. Awesome. Um, Well, I just want to take the opportunity, number one, to say thank you for sure. sure. You drove down all the way from Montgomery to be on the show. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share with our listeners. If, if somebody wanted to find you and have a deeper conversation with you, or your sure. company, how would they go about you doing know, that? It's funny. Uh, uh, I'm probably hard to find, but it's mindful, like mindfulness and wear like software, mindfulware.com. My number's down there. You know, I just put uh, a little bit about us, but most of our work uh, is done in institutions, but we also are always looking for new clients who have a problem to be solved. That sounds good. And as always, I just want to say thank you to my team here at C2 that's uh, working behind the curtain in the background, supporting the podcast, uh, and, and just getting behind it and allowing it to happen. So do you want it's it behind the, the left ear or the right ear? That, I don't think that's good. I'm going to just subscribe to the notion that that's not really going to be a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just, uh, what do you call it? I just want to be ignorant. You know? I'll call you in 10 years. Oh, my God. 
Thank you again, Daniel. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. C-Squared Wealth Strategies in Cambridge are not affiliated. 